1: Magandang araw, ako po si Robbie Alampay, This is Episode 2 of Season 2 of Tokhang sa Tokhang.
2: Hi, I'm Gideon Lasko I'm a medical doctor and a medical anthropologist Since 2011, I've been studying drugs in the Philippines I also edited the book Drugs and Philippine Society.
1: In the last episode, we talked about the exhumation of Kian De Los Santos, the digging up and re-autopsy of dozens of other drug war victims, and how all of that has dug up the questions that remain unanswered, the debates that will have to continue. In this episode, we continue our conversation by having a conversation with those who were left behind. We speak with some who say they are trying to move forward, not because they want to, but simply because they have many reasons to not wait for justice. We're at and Coffee. This is a cafe in Cubao, Quezon City, a small shop in Cubao Expo. On one side of it, a lash studio. And then on the other side, there's a bar that's uh, closed down. Baristas Carl and Sharon are serving us. They make a sweet but sturdy iced mocha. But head barista, Sharon, says a lot of their regular customers really come back for their caramel and matcha drinks.
0: Promise, masarap yan. Pag natikman, oh, no, tiyan, sarap mo. Ginagano nila ho. Kasi para sa yung, yung sa pati sa drinks.
1: There's something else that sets Silingan apart. Most of the staff lost family members The former President Rodrigo Duterte's six-year war on drugs. In this small space, they serve first-hand accounts of the consequences of that war.
2: They've lost family members. They requested we not mention their surnames.
3: One day in 2017,
1: just a few months into the Duterte administration, police knocked on the door to Carl's home. In line with Tokhang, they were officially conducting a survey to profile the neighborhood an informal settlers' community. But Carl says the officers approached his home asking precisely for him. His mother and father pulled and kept him inside. They spoke with the officers outside. 2 tense hours later, Carl watched from their window as his parents reluctantly followed the officers walk away.
3: Pagkatapos nun, ay nangyari na ano, binalik nila yung stepfather yung ko na ano, wala nang buhay. So, parang Ang hirap paniwalaan kasi yung time na yun andi pa parang mga plano. na gusto. Siyempre ka-graduate ko lang grade 10 noon.
1: Sharon Silingan's head barista lost her brother, Christian, on November 2016, very early on in the third term. Christian was only 20.
0: <laughs> Nag-iisako kasama kapatid yon. Sorry Sorrya kasi wala kaming prospects. Wala, as in wala.
2: According to the Philippine National Police official figures, more than 6,200 drug suspects were killed in official police operations during the term of former President Rodrigo Duterte. Researchers, media, and rights advocates say that the number is underestimated by a factor anywhere from 3 to 5. We have two episodes on the controversial data and numbers used to justify the thirdest bloody strategy. That's Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 1 of Tokhang sa Tokhang. Check them out if you have time.
3: Pero, ang masaklap nun, hindi mo alam kung ano ba yung nasa likod ng mga number na yon. May mga naiwan baron, May mga ba?
0: Kasi sa totoo lang sir, date bulag din ako sa ganyan eh. Ano eh, yung kumbaga judgmental. Datay, pag may napatay, ah, kailangan kasi addict yan eh. Pero ngayon, mas lum- yung nangyari na yun sa kapatid ko, doon ko naranasan na hindi pala lahat pinapatay ay relate sa drugs.
3: So yung Silingan to, tinayuto to, tinayuto para sa mga naiwan na pamilya. Pero ang nais lang din namin nasabihin na may kwento kami. Dito sa Silingan Cafe, bukod sa may babahagi kaming kwento, <coughs> We offer din namin yung magandang kalidad ng kape.
1: We will all hear more from Carl and Sharon later on in this episode. But at this point, I wanted to jump in and ask, Gideon, what do you think of the term survivor? Because this is how we typically offer or, or refer to them, ba? Right? The survivors of the victims of the war on drugs, if not the survivors of the war on drugs.
2: Well, it's an ambiguous term, Robbie. I think on one hand, it's a celebration of having survived something and people say that we're not victims, we're survivors. But at the same time, I'm not sure how it applies to something that's happened and it's still happening in a way in our mm-hmm. country. There's a lot of family dynamics that's been disrupted by the war on drugs and we have heard accounts of women... Turning to other men for protection in this uh, climate of fear, as the scholars Anna Warberg and Stefan Jensen puts it. So, and daming mga talagang nasira when we talk about families, and of course, both children and parents are affected with the trauma. I can only imagine how much of this trauma will be intergenerational and lifelong for all of these children.
1: No, no. Yeah, hey, But also parang iba-iba yung dynamic diba? iba-iba yung tama sayo. when you lose a husband iba yung tama sa'yo as now a single mother when you lose a wife iba rin yung tama sa'yo now as a single father in many of these communities you're the single breadwinner and now you have to make ends meet at the same time take care of two children who are still at home on the other hand if you're the children who lost parents But I can't help but thinking how fast they are now forced to grow up.
2: Yes. And at the same time, they haven't been heard enough. They haven't received justice in most cases.
1: I think this is going to be a common thread in all our episodes. Justice is the obvious thing that we're all asking for. But what about the other needs of these people? We talked about how um, the victims themselves, those who were shot and killed, we need to bring back the context of their lives. But ito, yung mga relatives na naiwan, we also have to remind people na, these are not quote unquote survivors in the simple definition that we're thinking of. And it's also not just justice that they need uh, right now.
2: If we talk about children, then they need education, they need jobs. Many of these families have economic needs that need to be taken care of. They have social needs that need to be taken care of. They need access to health care. They need access to mental health care as well, because these are traumatic experiences and they need support in the comprehensive sense of the word.
1: As far as you know, are there those programs in place?
2: What we've seen is an outpouring of civil society effort, uh, people's organizations, organizations. Organizations from different professions uh, pitching in legal aid, uh, psychological support, psychosocial support. But in terms of the national government, I don't know if there are programs.
1: Silingan is a Visaya word. It means neighbor. And the staff say the employment is important, but it's not as powerful as the support system and sense of community the cafe offers them.
0: This is a huge help for first financial. a of us. are it's a help us. not only skills, eh. when we mas grabe pa yung iba oh sapato talang po dito ko lang po talaga alis lahat nakilala yung, yung mga biktima rin ng epg sana yung may time na may bagong ako training din uli ngayon taga ano siya Nabotas pero ngayon sad na siya sa North Guaray sa Bulacan nakuhitungan niya na tatlo daw yung na biktima sa kanya kaya sabi ko ano grabe naman Sabi niya, walang ano yun, magagandang trabaho nun. Yun, ngayon may time na nagkaka-open ng kami. Yun lang yung maganda rito sa amin eh kasi hindi hindi kami nagkakalayuan ng mga na-experience. Sabi ko nga dati, ako hindi ako nagtikwento regarding sa kapatid ko, ano nangyari sa kapatid ko. Wala akong, ano, kahit may nagtatulong sa akin, ayaw akong magtano. Ayaw akong mag, ano, di ngayon, kahit pa pano, kahit naralaman na nang iba yung mga nadaanan namin, yung mga pamilya namin.
3: Part po kami ng EGK. Lahat po rito is biktima. Then, kumbaga bilang mga naiwanan ng biktima ng EGK, binibigyan niya kami ang pagkakataon na makarecover dun sa lungkot. So, gagawin namin yung lakas para bumangon, para magpatuloy.
1: For the customer, only when you're aware of the mission of Silingan, does it actually suddenly strike you. We are surrounded here by messages, symbols, signs to remind about the war on drugs, nods to the lives lost. Carl and Sharon are wearing denim aprons on top of black polos and black jeans, and then even the buttons on their shirts say, Stop the killings. Painted there on the black staircase, it says, it's not a war on illegal drugs, it's not an illegal war on drugs, and it's not even really a war on drugs, it is a war on the poor.
0: Kasi sa totoo lang sir, hindi nakakalam ng kwento ng about ng As in, may time na may pumupunta rito, hindi nila alam yung kwento pa namin, hindi nila alam, kakape, tapos tatambay, tapos nababasa tong type namin dito, tapos na, sila sa Kaya hanggang minsan nagiging kakwentuhan na namin. Tapos yun, parang mas nakakatuwa kasi may time pa nga na taga ibang lugar, dinadayo talaga kami. Ay, ito pala silingan. Ito yung naita namin sa mm-hmm. Yung mga ganutas yung uh, dito nagpupunta sa mga estudyante, mga tagayupi, naging mm-hmm. naging kaibigan namin.
1: Another thing people then learn and realize the wounding of the families left behind goes beyond their own persons. Outside of their own health, their own internal anguish, they are deprived of security and a sense of belonging in their own communities. Here, listen to attorney Cristina Conti. She represents victims of the drug war as an accredited assistant to counsel before the International Criminal Court.
4: For these mothers and family members, no, They have actually, in a way, lost everything already the moment their family members died. Not only have they lost a breadwinner, they've also lost some sort of social footing because they have been stigmatized as victims or targets of the war on drugs. Of course, that also affects their standing in the community or actually has isolated them to some extent, especially if you stand up against uh, at that time no at that time the Duterte was the administration in power so some of them had to contend with neighbors and even family members asking them to shut up as in literally and to just wait for for things to tide over kasi pag nagsalita ka pa parang magi mapupunta ka pa sa crosshairs
1: I can't help but imagine Carl and Sharon na they now go home to an incomplete family. And then on top of that, they also know that on their way to home, they're walking streets where they are still marked as a drug family. Nang alam nila na nanisi sa kanila, may nagbintang sa kanila. And so you not only come home to an incomplete family, but you go home into a barangay that does not trust you and that you do not trust.
2: That's part of the cross that they carry. That's the burden and that's the impact. That's the unexamined impact of Tokhang.
1: Do you think there's such a thing as trauma at the barangay level?
2: Yes, there's a language of drug-free barangay, drug-affected barangay, and apparently just one... Drug user, And that's a very loose definition, again, because someone who's used drugs once in their life can, can be defined as a drug user. Mm-hmm. But that's enough to declare a, a community, a barangay, as drug-affected. In the book that I edited, there's one chapter from Ateneo School of Government led by Dinron Mendoza that looks at the barangay as a site of policy, as a site of action in terms of the drug war. We hear from barangay officials that we've spoken with that they feel torn. They feel torn between the political imperative of having to implement this drug war, but at the same time, looking at their own communities and seeing the effects.
1: Maybe there are even people who are now wringing their hands and thinking, did I do right by following orders?
2: What we know so far, based on the scholarship that's been done, very limited, admittedly, but the work of Stefan Jensen, Karl Hapal, Anna Warburg, some of our scholars, they've looked at these communities. So what we've been learning is that this warlike situation has really engendered a climate of fear within these communities and has engendered a sense of mistrust na... People are not sure whether they could trust other people because there's this idea of informants, this idea of betrayal, there's this idea mm. of people cooperating with agents of Tokang. It undermines the whole idea of communities.
1: Informer is literally just an everyday word for many Filipinos. Merong asset dito.
2: Asset, informant, informer, yes.
1: It's ironic that we say, you know, in these communities, kento. but everything that you mentioned are dynamics that are opposed to community.
2: And the experience in the Philippines and around the world shows us that communities that are organized are communities that are able to improve their, their qualities of life. These are communities that are able to advocate for housing, for better education, better healthcare, improve economic opportunities. So... It undermines their whole aspirations. We keep calling them the survivors or the surviving relatives, but those left behind were not only victims themselves, they continue to be victims. For no fault of their own, they will carry a cross for the rest of their lives, a wound that right now they say fields will never heal
0: kasi sa totoo lang, ayung panahon na to kung wala kang pera walang istisya kasi isipin mo yung ibang mayayaman andun na lahat yung ebidensya par nakakalayap di ba eh yung mga taong pinatay nila halos sabay natin karamihan yon tanim pero bakit namamatay tapos ano rin nila na, na, na nahuhusgan agad pag sinabing Drago War ano na yun ni? Eh. Sa salita na yun, paralang sa mga mahirap yun talaga, eh. paralang sa amin mahirap yun. Hindi yung para sa mayayaman. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
3: kini uh, ibsan that's Randy De Los
1: Santos you heard him in the previous episode episode one of season two he's the uncle of Kian De Los Santos he says he understands how it is to remain wounded, to feel unable to move, and, and yet know that somehow he must move.
3: Sa isang pamilya na nawalan, hindi mo naman ibabalik yung buhay. Kaya ang nanaisin ng isang pamilya, ng isang kaanak, ay malaman. di ba? Kasi kapag ka namatay ang isang biktima, ang kadalasang tanong, bakit pinatay, paano napatay?
1: And yet, Attorney Cristina says even that work for justice is a constant trigger. A perennial reopening of wounds.
4: Of course, when I meet them, parang legal, di ba? Kaya si Attorney, magtanong na tayo. Pero one time I went with them sa isang Sunday community or family processing. And it really felt like therapy. At the start of the session, how do you feel today? Draw it. And then you have to explain it's of course emotional support then but i think it's also psychological support Na. you're building a family you may have lost a father a son a brother but you're gaining a lot more and at one point sabi nga nung isa para ko kayong mga kamag-anak ito pinsan ko ito ganito so they're literally building back their family
1: To be sure, there were government programs to assist families after drug war-related violence. But in Drugs and Philippine Society, the book that Gideon edited, it says that from the onset, it was civil society-led networks that stepped in to bridge the gaps, working to provide livelihood, safe spaces, and psychosocial support for survivors crucially intervening where the government social protection agencies are either absent or, at best, limited and lacking in their own capacities. Here's Assistant Director Miramel Laksa of the Department of Social Welfare and Development in an interview with Puma Podcast.
5: Meron tayong mga burial assistance. sa kanila if lalong na may mga balances bill pa rin sila.
1: Miramel says the DSWD has burial assistance, sustainable livelihood opportunities, and even educational grants. They also have community modules to try and address the stigma surrounding the drug users.
5: They could be one of the beneficiaries of the 4Ps or the Pantawid Pamilyang Pilipino Program. Pwede social pension for indigent senior citizens, kung sila ay mga senior citizens na, Diba, in a way, din sila, eh. sa nangyari, sa member, eh.
1: But Miramel admits, all of that is not enough. And they don't have enough.
5: Talking about government resources, hindi rin naman kasi ganun kalaki ang ating pondo. So very minimal lang din sila. So in as much as we want to accommodate all of them, in as much as we want to assist all of them, yan ang limitation natin basically. The fiscal limitation of the DSWD to provide them the assistance that they need.
2: The good thing about civil society in the Philippines is that As long as they're organized, they've continued activities, not so much focused on drug-related issues, but focusing on issues that affect and concern many of these victims, including economic support, livelihood. But what we are also concerned about is that there are moments when civil society can be very, very active and can expand greatly, can garner attention. For example, during the height of the community pantries, We saw people stepping up to support community-led initiatives to provide food, right? But after a while, people, it faded away. They faded away, even though we know for a fact that hunger continues today in many communities in the country. So we're concerned about sustainability. If it's not supported by the government itself, then it will always be dependent on attention, on support. The sustainability really is compromised.
1: Kidian, you spent a lot of time in Latin American countries as well. You've seen Colombia, you've seen Mexico, you know the case studies in Thailand uh, during the time as well of Taksin, you know what? Have they gotten to that level that we hope we can get to, Um, not just in terms of having a different paradigm on looking at this from a public health lens, from a cultural lens, but also on the level of how to deal with those left behind by their adventures and experiments with all-out wars on drugs.
2: What I know is that in Thailand, after Taksin's drug war, the monks turned up to support communities as well. So in a way, it mirrors what happened in the Philippines where we see civil society groups coming in to support the communities. But other than that, I'm not sure if there are programs that are focused on Supporting the people left behind.
1: We have a COVID generation, right? People who entered grade school, high school, in their formative years during COVID, right? And we're going to have to watch the learning gap and what it means for them uh, 10, 15 years from now. But is there going to be such a thing as a drug war generation based on what we've seen in other countries? Is there going to be a Duterte generation? We're looking at people who, like Carl and Sharon, who were young teens at most when the drug war happened, when they lost loved ones and many people lost parents and now they're forced to grow up.
2: Definitely something of this magnitude will have far-reaching effects. So in Paraguay, people were telling me the story of a war with their neighboring countries. And then they were mentioning that the dam was taken away from them. and Some territories in the north were taken away from them. And 90% of the men died because of that war. The way it was recounted was very fresh and very detailed, very vivid. So I thought it happened recently, but it happened in the 19th century. And yet, for the people I spoke with, it was still very fresh in their minds. and that's how powerful a traumatic event for a country for a community can be that it will never be forgotten easily
3: parang pinapakita namin na bumangon kami umaabante kami na hindi kami parang hindi kami magi-stay doon oh babalik-balikan namin yung kwento para malaman ng mga bata o yung mga pausbong na bagong generasyon na yung e.g. kay hindi siya no, hindi siya magandang example noon Dahil yung bawat namatay na yun, may mga pamilya na naiwan.
0: Para sa akin malalim na salita yung paghilom. Pag sinabi yung hindi sabihin yung parang okay ka na, okay ka na sa mga nangyari. Ganon. Sa akin at sa pamilya namin, sa totoo lang, kahit hindi okay, kailangan maging okay. Kasi may mga taong nakasandar sa amin. Hindi kasi may wasa <laughs> Sorry, pero may... <laughs> Hindi yun. Basta malalim yung pag-ilom na yun. Hindi naman madali kasing ano yun eh. Hindi madaling sabihin na okay kagad ka kami. Kailangan namin maging okay. Kasi may mga taong nakasandal sa amin. Ang mga mahal sa buhay.
2: In the next episode, let's take on that. How the war on drugs has infected our systems, our culture, our language, and our ways of thinking. And how they too need to be seen from a new lens for it to have a hope of redemption. Ako po si Gideon Lasko.
1: At ako po si Robbie Alampay. You've been listening to episode 2 of this second season of Tukhang sa Tukhang. This episode was written by myself and Gideon Lasco along with Franco Luna. It was produced by Tricia Aquino and edited by Mark Casillan. Sound design by Nina Torralba.